everybody, I'm so excited to introduce you to our second episode of Ad Aster, where we will be tackling cultural relationships, representation, awareness, all of that amazing stuff, which I'm really passionate about and super excited to get into. So before we do that, we're going to introduce ourselves, your four hosts today, and provide some insights into our music taste. For me, I'm Caroline, by the way, and my music taste is very K-pop oriented. I'm a big Day6 fan, Stray Kids, Twice, and I'm also a bit of a amateur K-indie fan, so Off and Off, Soul Child, Dean, all of them. Um, and the final component, the main component of my music taste, I'd say, is orchestral and like classical music because I'm a flutist, so 20th century French impressionistic flute music is where it's at. Okay, so hey, I'm Celine. So my music taste is actually really mixed and confused. <laughs> um, <laughs> so like, I really like rock in all its like different subgenres, and then there's the classical music, which I really like when I want to write, and then there's hosier, like just just hosier. <laughs> And yeah, uh, whatever sounds good at the moment also works for me. Those are basically the things that I like. Oh, and Arabic music, like the indie Arabic music that's coming out modern-wise. Yeah, that's really cool right now. So hey, I'm Hesedi, and I would like to say, Celine, your music taste is amazing. Hosier, just hosier, honestly. Uh, I'm more into like punk rock like My Chemical Romance and stuff like that. And also alternative bands like Arctic Monkeys, Glass Animals. And, and I also listen to rap, so like Kendrick Lamar. My music taste is basically all over the place, honestly. <laughs> hey everyone, I'm Liz and my music taste is really all over the place. Like I can be listening to WAP one day and then the other day, the next day I can be listening to like the soundtrack of Animal Crossing. And I would say that um, in general, I really like listening to like indie music, like Conan Gray and like um, MXM tune. I think that's how you pronounce it. And yes, Hosier. Um, and I also like, I'm kind of a theater kid. So I like listening to musical theater recording albums. And I also like just listening to um, like peaceful music, like study music, I think it's called. There's a whole Spotify playlist and I just listen to that while I'm writing and I just vibe. We're just gonna go into an open discussion today on the topic of cultural connections and how our culture, a lot of us are cultural minorities and how our unique cultural identities shape our writing and yeah just how people can connect across cultures across divides through the power of writing and through the power of friendship like we all did through vtl i'm a first generation chinese american and i spent most of my time in a relatively isolated and not very diverse town in oregon so that's been a pretty interesting experience for me and a lot of my writing and creative inspiration stems from the kind of like internal conflict I've experienced as a cultural minority and as an Asian American in a predominantly white place. Like I remember when I was little, my mom 
told me once that well, like in preschool I asked her one day like if I was white and she was like uh yeah because she thought I just I don't even know why she said yeah but I mean part of that is just like I guess at a certain point you're so surrounded by something it's like I just been surrounded by white people my entire life that to a certain extent like you get whitewashed and that's a really difficult experience I think for a lot of Asians is trying to find the balance between being accepted by your peers and to do that you generally have to whitewash yourself like your food smells weird or your like speech patterns are weird you have to fit into this mold of white normalcy but also wanting to hang on to your cultural heritage which I feel like is becoming increasingly important to me. I've had the blessing to grow up in a town like I grew up in Staten Island which is a borough in New York City but I've always been like very connected to the city and I've really been fortunate because it's such a melting pot of different cultures and different like different ethnicities like different races and you it's like I know I'm I haven't experienced as much as like discrimination as say Caroline would or like any like in a small town but as a russian jewish american i have experienced discrimination a lot even in somewhere as diverse as new york city and i've always like even like the sixth grade like people made holocaust jokes and like thought it was funny and it's like it's not funny and yeah it just like all these like microaggressions and things that um aren't necessarily even hateful but just ignorant and ignorance isn't ignorance is a product of your environment but at a certain point it's up to you as an individual to decide if you're going to like challenge that ignorance and really like be more open-minded and take the time to understand other cultures right so um hey celine again so I'm Lebanese. I've been born and raised in Lebanon. My mom is actually Palestinian, so I'm actually part Lebanese, part Palestinian. Uh, so actually in Lebanon here, uh, stuff is kind of diverse. So I've been exposed to a lot of cultures ever since I was a kid. Uh, most of my friends um, as a kid uh, were Australian or American or like Russian, um, I had really a really diverse group of friends as, as a child. But like uh, what I didn't notice growing up, like for someone who's raised in their own country, you'd think that they'll not to be, they'll not stray away from their, you know, culture and their heritage. But something that I've not noticed about myself is how much I actually disregarded parts of my culture and took parts of other people's cultures or of other people's friends and placed them in myself. So basically I was a bunch of fragments of different cultures. Uh, it hasn't been until like a, the last couple of years that I've actually reconnected with my own heritage and everything. Started listening to Arabic music more, which was amazing. I actually fell in love with the culture and the history and just the beauty of the language um regarding uh, um you know oppression or like racism also like i this is my own country so like i haven't been 
subjected to these types of things. But there were some sorts of things that really like got on my nerves, like the tourists that come here. I work in a music shop and sometimes I have to translate for my mom who also works there. So there was this American guy with a Make America Great hat cap on and socks and sandals and all that, <laughs> like the entire tourist thing. And when I was translating from English to Arabic for my mom, he just looked down on me and was like, why are you talking Arabic? Just speak English. I'm like, dude, are you so culturally unaware? Like, seriously, you're in an Arab country. And that kind of opened up my eyes about how much, um, sorry, I'm talking a lot. <laughs> like that kind of opened up my eyes about a lot of things. And I've made it kind of my goal to spread cultural awareness in my community and other people's communities to teach kids about those things in my uh, school. Like um, once I organized a small assembly in the library and kind of talked about all those stuff to the foreign kids. And yeah, there are also things like Islamophobia online, but those things are, don't really happen in my country because we're used to um, Islam and Christians, Muslims and Christians and, all of those religions, but when outs when outsiders or like foreigners come to talk about those things, there's a lot of ignorance that goes on here. Okay. Okay. Yeah, Stalin, you made some like great points there. <laughs> See, uh, uh, this is Hesley, and I'm from Sri Lanka. Uh, see, uh, speaking speaking about Sri Lanka in Sri Lanka, I like Stalin said. Uh, I'm I'm basic I'm a Sinhala Buddhist. Um, I don't know if you guys, if the people watching this know what a Sinhala Buddhist is, but like, yeah, uh, you probably know the Buddhist part. But anyway, uh, yeah, uh, I'm basically the majority in my own country, so that doesn't uh, so that doesn't really affect me. And like racism, that doesn't really affect me, and, and I'm like. And I'm ashamed to say that it hasn't like been like uh, been a uh, I haven't actually thought much about racism and stuff like that until I until I um, until I became like a teenager and realized oh people are like um, there are more people than me and like people of like different ethnicities and like and people of different ethnicities and people who who have a different religion and me that are getting um, that are getting discriminated against and uh, yeah uh, in sri lanka there's like there's like this whole thing where where people pretend that um uh, where people uh, basically since sri lanka is a buddhist country and there are not a lot of buddhist countries in the world they think that they they are the best country there that's the best religion and that and that annoys me because there are so much more there are so many more religions than buddhism in sri lanka there's there's hindus there's muslims there are so many other religions but people do not consider that when talking about sri lanka it's annoying because uh, people people believe that uh oh uh, one one religion is greater than another religion and it and it annoys me because there are because 
people in Sri Lanka say, oh my God, our country is so diverse. We have Muslims, we have Hindus, we have a burger people. But when you actually think about it, people, we have those people, but they are, they are always discriminated against. It's very annoying. <laughs> <laughs> that's I have stronger words to say, but it's very it's very annoying. Yes, because I know since now you're studying in the UK, oh, have there has there been any like culture shock or like anything like that that has kind of shaped your experience in the UK so far? When I went to the UK, I didn't really know what to expect, right? But but all the people I've met have been surprisingly nice. <laughs> surprisingly nice <laughs> yeah uh, it's it's not the only call actually at this point I've I've only been here for three weeks right so and for two weeks I was in self-isolation because of like coming from another country and stuff so so like at this point the only thing I have to complain about is the food <laughs> I, I do not I do not like British food please Get me out of this bland food hell. Bland fast food. Let me just say, I have a lot to say about American fast food and like how we're brainwashed to think that this is like the epitome of like what you're supposed to eat. And like, it's also reflected in school lunches. And I feel like that plays a big role in how you think about your own culture's food. And also, um, new topic, I think... I think since we're all writers and we're all like like very creative people, like we make videos, like we make art, media can play a big role in how you think about your culture, especially if there are stereotypes that are perpetuated by like films or literature. I know that for me at least, like there's this stereotype of like the curly haired, like comedic relief is like usually like someone who's like stereotypically Jewish and also with Russian people they're also always portrayed as like these big scary people who like speak with um gutturals and it's not the like on on one hand like representation like is important but it has to be done well like it can't be a caricature of a culture and I guess I've like the way like in my writing I like I want to honor like my experiences and like my family's experiences and it sometimes hurts like to see your culture like made fun of like in like in mass media and like for it to be okay or like people just don't really give it a second thought and it's really important to like have representation in a way that respects your culture and like other cultures especially if you're not from that culture yourself like take the time to research if you're writing or like you're making a movie and yeah just respect i have a similar perspective as liz because depiction of like asians in american media has not always been super strong like we really grew up on like token asians on disney channel like the few people who look like us in the media are just character caricatures and growing up when you're already not really surrounded by people who look like you and who understand you and who've heard the same comments, who've been told to like go back to China or just growing up when you're little and having people like pull their eyes back at you, it doesn't seem like that big of a deal until it happens over and over again and no one is really changing anything about 
these really stereotypical things and honestly very hurtful when you're just like a second grader things that people keep doing and the media when it's not helping with that that is incredibly problematic but i think for me at least i'm starting to see like a lot more asian representation in media and sometimes that can kind of border on like fetishization which is not it but it also has a lot of positive aspects like for me one of the reasons why i like k-pop so much is just being able to see other asian people portrayed as like attractive and successful and because the media loves portraying a lot of cultural minorities and asians as stereotypically unattractive just smart robot no think etc but that's part of the reason why i love k-pop so much and i think kind of just globalization of media in general like i'm starting to appreciate like korean media and chinese shows and all these things that before i felt awkward watching because i was like oh it diminishes my americanness and i'm already like not really american according to the people around me who can't seem to accept that i'm actually from the u.s but um, just i think that's it seems really minor and it can seem really frivolous something like liking k-pop and a lot of times it is but at the same time i think there's a deeper dimension to it that is really valuable and should be respected once they made this movie about beirut and um i can't remember its name but it depicted it as just sand and a desert and camels that just really made me mad and i was so angry because we don't have camels here and lebanon is full of so much green landscapes and beaches and waterfalls like we don't even have a desert i don't think we do i i hope i'm not wrong but like <laughs> we don't have that and we don't have camels like the only camel that i've seen in lebanon is, liter is literally one near my house because there's a camel butcher shop i know this sounds weird i don't know why that exists but there's a camel butcher shop here anyway um so yeah like the depiction of arabs as being just sand and camels and deserts and tribal people who are so ignorant or like um um Muslims being depicted as terrorists in movies and Arabs always being the, also the terrorists is just so frustrating because no, we're not. And people should know better because like we're not bad people. And it hurts a lot when I get called a sand N-word online or on social media just because I'm Arab. And that's so so frustrating and that really hurts you know because people should know better we're in the 21st century you know we have social media we have we're supposed to be culturally aware we're supposed to be better than past generations who are like supposedly a bit more ignorant than us but i just see a lot of ignorant ignorance and uh, just plain racism and islamophobia and just uh, it's just, it makes me so angry, sorry. <laughs> yeah, oh my god, I, I feel you on that. Um, and speaking of, uh, speaking of bad representation, I watched this TED talk called um, The Danger of a Single Story by, uh, I, don't, I don't know how to pronounce her first name, so I'm just not going to pronounce it, by, uh, uh, by, uh, uh, Adichie. Basically, she was talking about how uh, how media is given through this filter lens, 
because um, because even though she was Nigerian, all she all she read about was like these uh, these kids who were like white and and always and and they always lived in they always talked a lot about the weather and they and they were always white and blue eyed they <laughs> and and i was i was thinking about how how she how she said that that influenced her a lot like she's a writer and she's nigerian but she didn't but she didn't write about things that in nigeria she write she wrote more about the things that were that that were in like this whole separate dimension from her she's never been to britain but like she wrote about these uh, she wrote about like you know uh, the things she read about and and the things she read about were were all these western things even now like even me we i've gotten i've gotten education but like all of this is filtered through like a western lens because like when whenever we think about progression we think it's all western but but we refuse to think about the fact that um we refuse to think about the fact that the our culture our culture can be progressive too like whenever we think about something that's progressive we think that oh yeah it's it's western we have to uh, we have to give credit to western to western society for evolving and and making us who we are but it's not western culture it's it's a Western culture evolved because of East culture. Yeah, I think Hasundi like makes a really powerful point in that we're taught that we're taught through a Western lens. Like especially, I noticed in American history, where only recently have we been taught about America's、um, where America went wrong, or in terms of slavery and internment camps for Japanese Americans and. Um, displacing thousands of Native Americans and stealing their land, and we really haven't learned about that until now. So that just goes to show you how how you're taught, or like how the education system can also shape your perspective of culture. I also think this would be a good time to talk about how literature and media can also be empowering, and how, like through BTL, we learned about so many different cultures through our writing. Like I remember reading *The Tallest Woman* and being like so captivated because I had only mostly read like Western books, and this was like a great example of like branching out. And I, I was like, I felt so lucky that I got to be. To get to know other cultures through literature, and yeah, I think like in the U.S. especially, like it's a big problem since we're literally taught like the same three books over the last hundred years: nineteen eighty four, Fahrenheit four fifty one, and Animal Farm. It's time for like to spice things up a little bit. Like I think that if we were to apply the same like principles of BTL, of, like reading authors from different countries, like. We would be a lot more. We have a lot more knowledge and be a lot more open to just like people of all different backgrounds. Yeah,、um, and like what Hisanvi said about、um, the woman who wrote like from a Western point of view, even though she never went to a Western country, just because she, like that's all that she saw or something. And like I relate because. 
everything that I've ever read was like, was or like took place in the US or the UK or all those countries. And when I actually sat down to write something and once I even tried to write a book and I, and I set it in Chicago and I actually don't know anything about that place. I, I only know they have deep crust pizza or something. <laughs> and like I tried to write from that point of view and that failed. And what BDL actually opened my eyes too was was that it's okay it's more than okay it's actually very beautiful to write about your culture to write from the point of view of the place you were in because when you read books for Khalid Hosseini per se you just feel this human factor and this deep set emotion and I don't know if you actually see that but it's just about how he writes or represents the culture that he's from and how it's so human and raw. And it just offers such a beautiful perspective that the world is more than just Chicago or like New York or London. It's just so many cultures that inspired so much and they're so underrepresented that I find it so amazing that BDL actually introduced us to those pieces of writing or like to some pieces of writing for poets or writers that I actually never knew existed. Yes, yes. And and I feel like um, when you think about it, we placed so much emphasis on um, on like London and New York and everything. Like like every every book you hear about is placed in um, Every, actually, every mainstream book you hear about is either placed in New York, London, Chicago, or or like to spice things up some other European country. <laughs> and if there's an Asian character, it's either the comedic relief or like, or there's no Asian characters. And talking about like what Liz said about about like having the same same set of books to study that I feel that too, like I feel hypocritical saying this as an English major who's who's literally studying <laughs> British literature. But, but like when we think about literature, we think about stuff like Frankenstein um, and like from, um, like I can literally name my course books, Inferno, Frankenstein, um, Metamorphoses, Virginia Woolf, stuff like that, and all of them, and all of those are from people in Europe. We don't really take notice of of um, of books like uh, of books like Celine said, the Kaitrana, and even like foreign books that they're not they're not like if you if you write it in your native language, you're screwed basically because only like a select amount of people are going to read it. Um, in in your country and no one is going to and no one is going to like translate it because they don't see the appeal of it but there's so much appeal of it because you're reading about like another culture but like but like people are so uh, so brainwashed into thinking that literature only applies to like um to like this specific criteria that um that people just don't don't want to like expand their horizons another note on like 
culture and cultural representation through writing relating to BTL and the literature we were exposed to. We read Mrs. Sense from Interpreter of Maladies and it's about cultural transition kind of of an Indian woman I think in the UK and it shows that like cultural clash through her process of learning to drive and that piece really made me reflect on my own culture and my own misunderstandings of a lot of other cultures like especially South Asian cultures. I mean I've already grown up in such like a white bubble that even my own East Asian culture I feel kind of disconnected from and I think it was really valuable through the power of her words like she writes very clearly and incessantly. The literature we exposed to really helped me think about what misconceptions I hold and like this idea that we drive everywhere in the U.S. Like I didn't even realize that driving was such a big part of our culture until I kind of saw it from this outside perspective through the writing we read. And then on the part of like positive representation, again, BTL helped so much with that. And like reading Amy Tan, who is such a brilliant Chinese American author, um, and reading her works and we just had such eye-opening discussions about being Asian American and all these all these concepts that I just rarely get to talk about in real life and in real life I guess this was real life but it felt like a suspension of reality for how open and honest all of us were being and we got to talk about like the demasculization of Asian men in American culture and like the objectification of Asian women and it was it was just so amazing and one tiny other note is that YA, I know a lot of people kind of bash YA for being like, I don't know, too like cheap compared to like Steinbeck or something. But I, I just want to say that like, I think one reason why I love YA especially is the representation that it comes with that you just don't find in older texts. And the concepts they supply are just new and fresh and relevant. And like David Yoon, um, like Paula Yu. There are lots of Asian American writers basically that, and YAs that just feel so much more honest and true to me and my identity than when I'm reading like Lord of the Flies. So yeah, Stan YA. Period. Yeah, um, I, I agree with everything Caroline said and I think BTL was the first time I really saw myself represented and like my Russian Jewish identity represented in a way that wasn't like a joke or just um, something like outright like prejudiced. And there's a story called the Jew bird and it's hilarious because it's basically the main character is a bird, a talking bird. So that's already like, you know, elements of like absurdity. Ooh, that rhymed. Okay. And it's a representation of like this old, um, like this old Jewish man. And it sort of shows like this, there's like this divide between the Jew bird who is um, representative of like probably an old Jewish man who's probably been through World War II. And he he's very like, he's very proud about his identity. He like uses Yiddish words and like talks about food. He's like obsessed with food, which like I relate. Then there's this other character who's like the antagonist named Cohen. And he's a butcher a, fro a frozen food salesman sorry he's a frozen food salesman who doesn't like the jew bird because he feels as if he's taking attention away but also he reminds him of his heritage and he's unlike the jew bird who's open about his identity he's sort of ashamed 
that he's Jewish. And at the end, he actually kills the Jew bird, which, spoiler alert, but yeah, and it represents, it's such like a nuanced take on like the Jewish identity that I haven't really seen like in any text. And it's also not, um, it's also like empowering and it's not just showing Jews suffering during World War II stories or something um, all along those lines. And yeah, I just thought it was also, it's just a really funny story, highly 10 out of 10. And I could go on about BTL, but I think that the most important thing I took away from it, even though we didn't get to meet each other in real life, just appreciation of culture and um, learning to value my own culture because I feel um, sometimes it's easy to like forget that it's important and what we see on TV isn't necessarily a reflection of like who we are and who we aspire to be. Arabic poetry is so beautiful and I feel like it's so underrated. So there's this verse of poetry that was like uh, translated. It was like, and if the devil was to ever see you, he would kiss your eyes and repent. And that just shook me for some reason. And maybe that's cringy, but all Arabic poetry is in mythology and stories. Like there were poets and their loved ones or their lovers or partners that actually made history with their with their poetry about those partners and the hardships that they went through. There was Zahantara and Abla who are very um very prominent figures of love in Arabic poetry. So Antara was a slave and he he was oppressed by his own father for being the son of a slave. And uh, he kept writing poetry about Abla and he fought in order to be with her and it was beautiful. And the way he wrote about her and the way so many poets in Arabic wrote, like seriously, you guys have to like search up some Arabic stories. They're amazing, even if they were translated. I can imagine Arabic Arabic poetry is nice because like Sri Lankan poet Sri Lankan like stories are amazing. My mom is big on literature as I am, which is like a whole lot. And I remember her reading me this book called Sudosudu. And it's kind of cliche, right? But this but the story is about this uh, about these like uh, two guys who like fight over this girl. See the thing is one of the guys is poor and the other one is kind of well off and then and then but in the end uh, the girl the girl actually marries the poor guy the thing is um that that guy has to go to war and he has to like fight in the war and stuff uh, and when he comes back he has this child right but this child is blind and that's just like entire monologue about this child about like how how he can't see what colors are how that that whole dialogue kind of struck me because that because that child was like, I don't know what colors are. I don't know what blue is. I don't know what I don't know what red is. I don't know what green is. And when he tells his mom, when he tells his mother, the mother starts crying, right? And then the child, and then the child doesn't know what tears are. And then, um, and then he's like, oh, What am I feeling on your on your face? Just just ask. He's just asking his mother what he feels on her on her face. And and she's just speechless and that that kind of stuck with me 
and that that's and anyway that that's really not how the story ends it's it's a more depressing story than you can imagine but i'm not going to explain the plot if you want to know what how it ends you have to read the book it's called so those who google it we're going to end today by talking about ways that you can educate yourself about other cultures and also just like celebrate your own culture and just positivity so one of the ways that we've been teaching ourselves about other cultures and promoting cultural interactions like we did through BTL is actually starting our own nonprofits so um we all are part of each other's nonprofits and I co-founded a nonprofit called Bridge to Literacy which teaches kids um literacy, English literacy, but not in a way that not in a western focus. We really reach out to every child and make the lessons personalized to them. So we incorporate their culture if they're from. We currently work in Honduras, Ukraine, Kenya, um Gaza and Mexico as of as of late and yeah we just love working with the kids and you really get to teach yourself about their culture and make an impact in a child's life in an under-resourced community and give them opportunities they might not otherwise have so we're a completely student-led organization our lessons we um Celine is actually a written content creator shout out to Celine for her lesson plans um yeah. <laughs> and we have teachers, video editors, social media ambassadors, um marketing members and they're all basically our volunteers are all teens and we're always accepting applications. So if you're interested in our message and giving children the gift of language then visit our Instagram at @bridgeliteracy or visit our website bridgeliteracy.com and we'll link that in the podcast description. Honestly like Liz is such like a super powered queen. She makes such an impact in her nonprofit is absolutely amazing and I'm really looking up to her as I'm starting my own organization as well. Um and it's called The World in Us and essentially this is a student-led cultural education organization where we seek to eliminate cultural ignorance from its roots and cultivate the next generation of global citizens. So the way we do that, um we have a couple initiatives. The main one is creating introductory interactive lessons to global cultures for elementary to middle school age students. Currently with virtual learning and everything, we're making slides with like interactive activities with like you can create a card from home or um you can a cultural dance from home with your student teachers. So that's one aspect um uh, that we're always looking for help with because we always want to do more cultures represented and more accurate representation per culture. So if any of you awesome students out there are interested in helping create lessons about your own culture or a culture that you're knowledgeable about or just helping research about any culture around the world and teaching it to kids and helping spark that awareness that really lays the foundation for future global citizenship you should totally hit us up and we're also hoping to start another initiative that's more teen oriented so this would be um a blog where we have 
student posts about different cultures, their cultural perspectives, uh, their experiences with culture, and also a podcast where we have interviews with people from around the world and definitely lots of our BTL friends um, and just talk about their unique cultural perspectives and how we can better represent all of these amazing cultures that exist in the world and raise awareness from a younger age because as we've mentioned earlier, ignorance is something that is to some extent a product of your environment but at a certain point you have to take responsibility and educate yourself on cultures and help educate others about cultures too so that we can just create a more equitable world for all of us so if you would like to get involved like liz's nonprofit, we are also are always open to new team members from everything from education to writing blog posts to podcasting um, social media, especially social media, if anyone is into that. Um, but yeah, so you can you can always email us at theworldinus.org at gmail.com and you can also go to our Instagram at theworldinus with um, an underscore in between each word. Thank you everyone for listening to episode two of Ad Aster and be sure to follow us at aster.lit on Instagram. We love y'all.